My govanen melunin, and thanks for tuning in to Speak, Friend, and Enter, a podcast where my sister and I use Tolkien's books to explain some things the movies didn't make totally clear. She's Audrey, the movie buff, and I'm Leah, your book friend. Let's jump right back in, discussing Arwen and Frodo's breakneck chase to the Ford of Bruinen. So in this chase, because mm-hmm. um, we mentioned now she is on the run from those wraiths, mm-hmm. And this is the scene where she takes him across the river, and if you want him, come and claim him, etc. That's very good. Also very sexy. Um, Gets a little scratch on her cheek while yeah. she's <laughs> riding really close to a tree, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Just to make her a little sexier, Fine. Which, which worked. <laughs> and my question about this scene is, are all elves powerful enough to summon water horses? <laughs> is this just an a- any elf thing? Is this an Arwen thing? Is this a folded some character into Arwen thing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's kind of a little of everything okay. that you just said. Um, are all elves powerful enough to do this? Definitely not. Okay. This is very powerful magic. Um, so here, the movie seems to be establishing Arwen as an impressive magic user because it seems to be like a spontaneous spell that she's conjuring in the moment. Yeah. And I use spell again in quotation marks because it's a, just more of like making what you want to happen, happen. Yeah. So what she says, according to the movie subtitles, is waters of the misty mountains, listen to the great word, flow waters of loud water against the ring wraiths. And then she repeat, repeats that a few times. And the loud water is like the translation of the name of the river, which is Bruinen. Oh, okay. So in book canon, this flood of the Bruinen is kind of an intruder trap that Elrond has set up with his magic. So the flood begins the moment that the Witch King's horse sets a foot in the river. And because uh, because evil attempting to cross the river triggers the trap. Mm. And Gandalf is the dramatic artsy one who makes it look like horses. <laughs> uh, yes. So, so you're saying in the books this is this is just um, a trap that was laying. It it is intrinsic, right, mm-hmm. to the river. It is now. Okay, but after Elrond made it happen in the movie, that's not the case. It doesn't it was, seem that way. It was Arwen who was like creating this. Definitely. Okay, I see. Yeah. So yeah, it sets her up as being pretty powerful. As opposed to it being like, my dad did this. Gotcha. <laughs> and then, this is weird. <laughs> this is this our is favorite scene transition. Weird part. So this is like, uh, once the water horses take down the ring wraiths, mm-hmm. Arwen like, looks at Frodo, and it, apparently he looks more like he was dying than before. <laughs> he looks the same to me, but she's like, Frodo, oh, do no, not give in. Do not give in. And she just like... She says that thing that you said earlier, uh-huh. like what Grace... What, what Grace has given me, let it pass to him. Let it be spared. And then she just like cries and then hugs him. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the weird like 2000s music video effect <sighs> of like Trans- transitioning. Translucent Elrond head, <laughs> fisheye lens on Hugo Weaving's big old face. So it's not clear how he actually gets to Rivendell. <laughs> so what happens here what really happens i want to ask you what you think happens just based on what you know from the movie like all i can think of is that she essentially recited this prayer or spell to keep him alive a little longer Mm -hmm. which i'm like why didn't you do that earlier (laughs) and then she just continues traveling and takes him the rest of the way to rivendell but you just don't see it well, um, they're pretty much at Rivendell's doorstep. Oh, okay. That's definitely not made clear enough in the movie. No, it's <laughs> definitely not. Like, they could be, like, still days away. It's yeah, not that's clear. a very good point. Yeah, they're <laughs> just like, oh, we're in Rivendell now. Yeah. It's not that 
close. <laughs> There's a little travel, but like it's they're right there. <laughs> yeah, because it's like one second Arwen is cradling him and crying and the next he's peacefully like waking up from a slumber in a nice bed in Rivendell and it's like (laughs) wait a minute like something happened and you just skipped a lot of shit yeah uh the translation of there's there's like a chorus of women singing while Arwen is saying that stuff yeah and the translation of what they're saying is what she is saying but with one other line which is mighty Valar save him so right. that suggests that Frodo is dying and she is praying to the Valar to intercede and give him enough time to get him to Elrond. Gotcha. So I don't know, maybe she just like picks him up bridal style. Yeah. And just straight carries him the rest of the way. <laughs> okay. Um, what does that look like when like Elrond saves Frodo? It's, it doesn't happen in the books. It's like oh. off screen because this part of the book is from Frodo's point of view. Oh. So okay. it's pretty much the same thing where he passes out. And then he just wakes up and conveniently no one has to write like how he was saved. Yeah. Yay. Cool. <laughs> it's much easier that way. That's a writing tip. If you don't want to write it, just your character passes out. Just make it from someone's perspective who is not conscious. <laughs> it's the same thing that happened to Bilbo during the Battle of Five Armies okay. at the end of The Hobbit. He got hit on the head with a rock and he slept through the whole battle. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> So he wakes up uh, in this bed, and Gandalf mm-hmm. is sitting by him, and he says, what day is it? And he says, it's October the 24th. Yes. And then we know that now because of that <sighs> Lord of the Rings trivia that we went to where we were a day off? Yep. Two, we days, two off. days off. I said 22nd because I knew it, because my birthday is October 23rd. Yep. And I said, I know it's either a day before or a day after my birthday, and we picked and wrong. We picked the wrong one. <laughs> so it is October the 24th. Um, but how, if you ever want to play Lord of the Rings trivia with us, just go to any bar in Milwaukee that's doing <laughs> Lord of the Rings trivia, and you will know us because our team name is Elijah's Wood. <laughs> <laughs> and credit to me for that one. Yep. I, I came up with that yep. wonderful title. <laughs> I'm ashamed of myself. You shouldn't be. So how long was Frodo out? Uh, in book canon, he was out for four days. And he's okay. very surprised to learn this when he wakes up. And he's very hungry. <laughs> yes. Well, he's a <laughs> hobbit. So, always. Um, so, Frodo and the rest of the fellowship arrive at the fort of Bruinen on October 20th. And then Elrond works his healing magic while Frodo sleeps for four entire days. <laughs> Whew, that's the life. I'd love to sleep for four full yeah, days. That sounds great. <sighs> so, they're hanging out here for a bit. Um, some he sees all his happens. friends again. Not not super important. Reunited, blah 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 blah. Uh, <laughs> so then he um, re- is reunited with Bilbo. Yay! And uh, my observation of that is like it must really suck to suddenly start aging all at once. Cause he like he aged like twenty years since the last time that they saw him, which yep. actually makes sense in book context because it was twenty years. Uh-huh. But in the movie. It's been, like, maybe six months. Yeah. So he aged 20 years in six months. And that's rough. I yeah. mean, he had the ring. In in movie canon, he had the ring for, I think, 60 years. Mm-hmm. And in book canon, 60 years, plus the 17 that he's been living since then. Yeah. And that's a lot of age to just wallop you with a frying pan all at once. Yeah. That's rough stuff. So is Bilbo's plan to live in Rivendell until he dies? Was that his original plan? It wasn't his original plan, but it is his plan now. You're absolutely right. 
um, in movie canon, based on what Bilbo says to Gandalf in that opening scene, mm-hmm. uh, his original plan was to travel all the way back to Erebor and see his dwarf friends again. He says, I want to see mountains again. Mm. Mountains, Gandalf. Yeah. Um, but without the ring, he's just too old to make that journey. So he basically just got as far as Rivendell and was like, <gasps> okay, this is far enough. <laughs> well, and Rivendell's so nice. Yeah. You know, after you've been on the road for a couple weeks to a month and you see all those beautiful arching hallways and all the plush chairs everywhere, <laughs> you just want to sit down. Why leave? Um, in book canon, Bilbo does make it a little bit farther than Rivendell. So he gets to Rivendell, takes a rest, and then he goes to Dale which is like a men's city outside the Lonely Mountain. Okay. And then back to Rivendell. Okay. Uh, and of course, in book canon, he has a, a whole 17 years and five months to do all that traveling in. That yeah. would be a lot for, for him to have gone to Rivendell and then passed and then back to Rivendell just in the time since Gandalf like woke Frodo and Sam up in the middle of the night. I have a hard time buying like the book canon of that. Why is that? That he would have the strength to yeah. travel for 17 years after he just lost the ring. I mean... I don't think he traveled for 17 years. Oh. What I mean is that he had a lot more time to get that journey finished. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Whereas it would be very unbelievable for that to have happened in movie canon mm-hmm. if he was just doing all that in the time since he had left. Right. When Bilbo and Frodo meet in Rivendell, Bilbo tells Frodo this, that, you know, I went to Dale and then I came back. I live here now. And he says he shan't travel again. So he's just an old man. Yeah. While he's been in Rivendell, he he writes songs. He finishes his book. And he listens to people's news and stories and makes friends with Strider, uh, who he always calls the Dunedain. It's very mysterious. (laughs) Uh, And in the prologue to Lord of the Rings, Tolkien suggests that the Silmarillion is also one of the books that Bilbo writes during this time. Like, he's translating elvish stories into Westron. Okay. But Christopher Tolkien has said that there's no other evidence for that. So, as with with all the times that canon contradicts itself, you just Mm. pick your favorite. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, now um, Sam and Frodo are talking about how they have completed their mission Mm -hmm. and... The ring will be safe in Rivendell, and that's hilarious. Um, Which they definitely, like, explicitly say in the books, like, the ring, it's not safe here. Yeah. So uh, one thing that I just kind of noticed as I was watching the movies Mm -hmm. is that Rivendell, it kind of looks vacant, like... Where is all the population of them? Did Have they all been just, like, sailing off to Valinor, or is this just kind of, like, not... A thing that was really meant to be observed. <laughs> uh, this this like lack of a population is something that's a lot more pronounced in movie canon than in book canon. Like mm. in the books, Rivendell is still plentiful enough to host feasts and salons and like celebrate Frodo's survival at the Ford. Yeah. Uh, in the movies, the color grading even is very brown yeah. in Rivendell. There are like leaves, autumn leaves falling from trees all the time, and the place is almost empty. Yeah. And that's something interesting to watch for when you watch the Hobbit movies, which Audrey loves. Uh, <laughs> there are there are many more elves in Rivendell. Okay. The color grading is like really vibrantly colorful mm-hmm. and like the whole place looks a lot more lively. So I think that it's they they really are hammering home in the movies, like, all the elves are gone, all the elves are leaving, it's just Elrond and Arwen left. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I figured. Except, 
you do see like a lone unnamed elf here and there walking around in background shots of bigatures yeah. to make the scenery look more believable. <laughs> um, He's the groundskeeper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, there's a line that I really like that Elrond says. Mm-hmm. Men? Men are weak. Men are weak. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm like, hey. Hashtag true. <laughs> I'm going to cross-stitch that. So he is um, kind of recounting the journey of the ring from his perspective at this point, Elrond is. Right. I was there, Gandalf. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm wondering why did why did Elrond allow Isildur to keep the ring? Could he not have just gotten his own forces to take it? He like knew how dangerous it was. Well, there's a lot to this question. At the time that in in Isildur times, Elrond isn't like you know a powerful lord of the elves. He's like a standard bearer for mm-hmm. the Elven king Gilgalad. So it's really not his call to make. He's a flag boy. Oh, he's not as, like, powerful. Correct. Yet. Correct, yes. Okay. Um, just in, in book canon, mm-hmm. at least. You know, in the movie canon, obviously, Elrond is a fancy man who's there. He's all he's right in the thick of it. Yeah. But still, it isn't his call to make because okay. it doesn't belong to him. So uh, there's a whole discussion okay. about this. In book canon, Isildur's refusal to destroy the ring isn't quite as dramatic. Like, they don't do a whole hike onto that plinth inside Mount Doom yeah. just for Isildur to, like, become a villain at the last second. Okay. Um, rather, like, he's just having a discussion with Elrond and Círdan the shipwright, and Isildur says that, as we talked about in the first episode mm-hmm. of this illustrious podcast, um, because Sauron killed his father and brother, Isildur will be taking the ring as guild for their deaths. So right. it's not as simple as just, like, pointing at the lava and saying, do it, or doing what a lot of people have suggested, going the more extreme route and pushing, pushing them in. Pushing in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's also worth mentioning that nobody except Sauron has ever worn the ring at this point in history. Mm-hmm. They don't know what it can do. Gotcha. Uh, like, the, maybe, so maybe Elrond doesn't actually know just how dangerous it is for, like, it to be in the hands of somebody else. For sure. Uh, and how corruptible, like... How easily corruptible men in particular is. are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And as, as although these things haven't happened yet, the ring seems to have a more detrimental effect on a person who takes it by force. Compare yeah. like Isildur and Gollum versus Bilbo, who has a pretty chill time with it. Okay. Um, so if Elrond were to attack the king of Gondor and Arnor, one of his greatest allies, in order to get the ring from him, mm-hmm. it would like have a ton of political fallout. He would make an enemy of the entire kingdom of men. And there's no way of knowing that Elrond wouldn't also be ensnared by the ring. Yeah, that's true. I would not necessarily liken um, Isildur taking the ring by force to, to Gollum. Gollum. I agree. Because Gollum straight up murdered his friend <laughs> for a ring. But Isildur was truly acting in self-defense. Mm-hmm. He was, like, fighting a war. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> they're definitely not the same. Yeah. But they're not entirely different. Yeah. And they're definitely very different from the way that Bilbo gets it, mm-hmm. which is just that he finds it it's in like, the dirt. A ring. A ring. <laughs> oh, how curious. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, it's it's not Elrond's call because Isildur took it as payment mm-hmm. for the death of his family, basically. Yeah. That's going to be it for this episode of Speak, Friend, and Enter. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Those reviews really help people find the show. 
If you have a question or topic you want us to discuss, please email us at speakfriendpod at gmail.com. You can also check out the show's Twitter at speakfriendpod for official pod stuff. My personal Twitter is at askistwin, that's I-S-T-W-E-N, and Audrey can be found on Instagram at Audrey underscore underscore Lynn L-Y-N. Tune in next time for the answers to questions like, why are Boromir and Strider so weird the first time they meet, and what exactly is the Evanstar? Until next time, Muku Turgizu Turguskin.